Well, let's open up with a word of prayer and let's dig into the word. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's living and breathing and sharper than a two-edged sword. I thank you for everyone who's here today. I pray for the new people. They would feel welcomed and loved to realize as soon as they showed up, they're a part of the family. We ask, Lord, now that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said... Amen. If you don't have an outline, I don't know if we have any left. Do we have any outlines left back there? Okay, if you need an outline, it'll help you follow along through the text. Uh, you might want to grab one. If you need a Bible, we have Bibles on the back table. Raise your hand, we'll get you a Bible. All right, so if you were here for a Good Friday service on Thursday night, we saw what took place during what is referred to as Passion Week. Passion Week began on Palm Sunday when Jesus entered in to Jerusalem. And the people lined the street as he came into the city of Jerusalem, and they were crying out, Hosanna, save now, we pray you. What's amazing about that, if you're into Bible prophecy, from the, the word of God which tells us, there's prophecy that says, from the day that they begin, to, they, the edict goes out to rebuild the temple, that 173,880 days later, the Messiah would come into Jerusalem. Well, you go back and you can see it in the Bible. And you, and you calculate 173,880 days, and that's the day Jesus came into Jerusalem. Guys, that only happens if you're God. Can I get an amen? When he came in, though, they were crying out, Hosanna, save now, we pray you. But sadly, most of them were looking for a conquering, uh, a conquering king, not a suffering savior. And they wanted him to come in and overthrow the Roman government. They wanted him to rid them of the tyranny and rid them of the trials of their life. And a lot of times people come to Jesus for the same thing. They come to the Lord to get stuff. They come to the Lord to get things that will bless them in the here and now. And God desires to bless you in the here and now, but what he has for us in eternity is far better. Can I get an amen? So in four days, many of that same crowd manipulated by the religious leaders went from save now we pray you to crucify him. We know the Pontius Pilate he was bought before Pilate. Pilate had Jesus scourged, hoping to get the people to be satisfied. And instead, we know what scourging was like. If you ever saw the, the Passion of the Christ, the hardest scene to watch in an entire movie is our Savior being scourged. And scourging, they would take the hands and the feet of the person who was being scourged, and they would tie them around a pole where they were defenseless. And they had a cat of nine tails, and on it were bone and chip uh, and, and glass and, and, all, and all kinds of sharp things. And they would reach out, and each cat of nine tails would grab a hold of the person's body. When they pulled back, it would bring pieces of flesh with it. They did that to our Savior 40 times. He endured it. And you know why he endured it? Because he loves you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? He knows you best. He loves you most. He endured it all. He's the only person who was ever scourged who could have put a stop to it. He's almighty God. He could have turned the guy who was whipping him into a pile of rocks if he wanted to, but he endured it out of love for you. After he was scourged, they brought him out in front of the crowd. They, they mocked him by throwing on a robe, putting in a crown of thorns upon his head. Thorns were long. Now, thorns on his head is not by chance because thorns came into existence when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Thorns did not exist until sin came into being. And it's a picture of all the sin of mankind being placed upon the head of our Savior. They mocked him and cried out, King of the Jews. At one portion, they covered Jesus' face and the soldiers were hitting and saying, prophesy who's hitting you. And Jesus endured every single bit of it out of his love for you. 
They then cried out for Barabbas over Jesus. Pilate tried to find a way to get out of this. His own wife had warned him about not bringing Jesus to the cross, about letting him go. And so he brought out the worst criminal he had and Jesus who had done nothing because he is almighty God. He's perfect, he's holy, he's righteous, and he's just. And they cried out. They stirred up the crowd to cry out for the murderer instead of Jesus. Guys, in that story, Barabbas is us. We're the ones that deserved it, deserved to be crucified, and Jesus took our place. Can I get an amen? And so Jesus, of course, started heading to the cross. He's carrying the cross himself. He's headed to Golgotha. And on the way, because he is always 100% God, he's also 100% man. And his body had been ripped to shreds. He had been up all night without sleep. And as he's walking to, to Golgotha, what happens? He falls under the weight of the cross, proving again he's fully man while he's also fully God. There was a man there by the name of Simon of Cyrene, and Simon lived in a place so far away. Cyrene was in North Africa. He had traveled a great distance to be there for Passover. See, this was Passover time when, all the, when Jer Jerusalem would multiply 10 times to its normal size as everybody would come for that time of celebration when God delivered them out of bondage in Egypt, when the angel of death passed over, when they had the blood of the lamb in the shape of a cross on their doorpost. Well, Simon of Cyrene is there, probably once in a lifetime trip, thinking he's there. And as he walks into town, he sees that they're bringing these criminals out to be crucified. And Simon's in that crowd. And as he's standing there, Jesus falls right in front of him. And then he feels the soldier's spear or sword on his shoulder. And he, Simon is told he needs to get out there and pick up that cross. Now he finds himself carrying the cross alongside the criminals. As people are spitting on them and, and screaming at them and mocking them, Simon no doubt is wondering, why me? Well, guess what? We know later that Simon becomes a, becomes a born-again Christian who serves faithfully, faithfully serves the Lord. And he came to sacrifice a lamb and he met the lamb of God. Amen. And I promise you when he's in, in heaven right now, he thinks the greatest privilege of his life was to carry that cross. And you know what? It was important that someone else carry it because we're the ones who deserve it. Jesus didn't. Amen? So they bring him to the cross. They nail his hands. They nail his feet. I don't have a verse for this, but I, I know it's true that he's the only person who didn't fight back when he was being nailed to the cross because he went freely and he did it out of love for you. While upon the cross, they continued to mock him. They had to, they would usually above, they always put above the person being crucified, the crime they committed. And this is literally on the busiest street. If you've ever been to Jerusalem, it's on the busiest part where they enter into the city and the crowd, it's, it's like Super Bowl Sunday. They're all coming for Passover. And as everybody's coming into town, they're all walking by our savior. And they see that the others two say robbers, but his says, king of the Jews, because Jesus had done nothing wrong. It was written in Latin. And in Greek and in Hebrew, it was the first Bible track ever written, amen? As they walked by, they saw that he's the king of the Jews. All that time, they continued to mock him. He was hanging there in such a torturous place. You know, they created crucifixion. The Romans were proud of the fact that they made the most torturous way to die. And that it took a long time. What would happen on the cross is you would hang there... The, the nails in your hands and in your feet were put in places in your body where there's a great amount of nerves. And so every time you move, you would feel that pain. And what would happen is they'd eventually mostly die of suffocation or dehydration because all the blood was draining. And here they were, and they'd have to raise themselves up to catch a breath. And every time they did, it was, a, it was a time of pain and suffering and torment. And as Jesus was enduring that out of love for us, even the thieves on the cross began to mock him. Finally, one of them said to him, 
Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me where? See, the Bible tells us to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. There's no purgatory. Can I get an amen? You close your eyes on earth and you open them up in glory. So Jesus hangs upon the cross. And while he's on the cross, the earth goes dark. For three hours, the entire world is pitch black. It's interesting. There were three days of darkness before Passover in Egypt. There were three hours of darkness when Jesus was hanging on the cross. And during that three hours of darkness, we know that all the sin of mankind was poured out upon our Savior. He knew separation from the Father for the only time that he would. See, all the torture prior to that was bad enough, but the worst part came when he knew separation from the Father. And guys, he endured that. All the sin, all the sin of my life, all the sin of your life, all the sin of everyone who's ever lived was placed upon him. And the darkness came. You know, when he was born, a light shone in the sky. And when he died for us, the world went dark. At the end of it, he cried out, you know, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? And then when Jesus, at the end, they put a spear through his side, water poured out because he had already died. And at the end of it, he said, it is finished. The word there is tetalestai. Tetalestai is something that is used when something's been paid in full. There's a debt that is owed. When you paid it in full, they would stamp it, tetalestai. When somebody made a beautiful piece of art, when it was done, they would say tetalestai. When they would write a great piece of literature, when they finished it, they would say tetalestai. Guys, this was the greatest moment in all of human history. And Jesus said, it is finished. It also means paid in full. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Amen? So as we come to this morning's text, Jesus was taken down of the cross from these two undercover Christians, Joseph of Arimathea and a man by the name of Nicodemus, who we met back in John chapter 3. These were religious men who had become followers of Jesus Christ. And they buried him in the tomb. They wrapped him in linen they put a stone in front of it. It's interesting that the, the disciples did not fully believe what Jesus had taught them or they would have acted different. The only ones that were worried about Jesus raising from the dead because they knew he had prophesied it were the Pharisees. So they went to the Romans. They put guards up to keep Jesus in the tomb. We'll see how that works out. Can I get an amen? And so it was Friday, but Sunday's coming. Can I get an Amen. And Sunday has come. And here's my concern. Here's something God put on my heart. There's some people right now, you're caught between Friday and Sunday. And what I mean by that is you know that Jesus died, but you don't have, you don't know him. You don't know the risen living Savior who, who rose from the dead. Amen? You know about who Jesus is, but you don't know him. You know the, the one who the world told you that he was a good teacher who died on a cross, but you've not experienced the one who rose from the dead. Guys, we don't serve a dead God. We serve a risen and living Savior. Amen? And that's the difference between every other religion out there. First of all, I just hate the term religion. You've heard me say this because I hated what it come to mean. It's come to be man's efforts to reach God you know, through man's own abilities. You know, but the word re, re, religion comes... The original language is relingara, which means to relink, relinking sinful man back to holy God. And that's why Jesus came. But all the other leaders, Joseph Smith of the Mormon church, he's dead. Buddha, dead. Muhammad, dead. Hare Krishna, dead. Joseph, uh, Charles Taze Russell, dead. L. Ron Hubbard said he was God, dead. Can I get an amen? And the reality is they're all dead gods. They're all dead false gods, all false prophets. We can dig up their bones. Jesus Christ is a risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. Amen? We don't serve a dead God. We serve a risen Savior. So now it's in between Friday and Sunday. Where is everybody? Where are his followers? Well, the apostles, 
are hiding. If you remember, Peter had said, I will never deny you, Lord. I will, I will die for you. We saw that when Jesus was arrested, Peter lopped off the ear of Malchus, right? Trying to kill one of the soldiers. See, Jesus, when he was arrested, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. There he was praying. If you've been to Jerusalem, it's, it's on the other side. Mount of Olives is here and Jerusalem is here. And there's a little area right here, the Brook Kidron. And when people came, they, 600 soldiers came carrying torches by night. They didn't sneak them on Jesus. He knew they were coming. Can I get an Amen. And when they went to arrest him, they said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? He said, he said, I am. And what happened to the soldiers? They all fell backward. Just the very, the very word of God from the God of the word spoken, put them all on the ground. They didn't arrest Jesus. He arrested them. Can I get an amen? And when he died on the cross, some of those very same soldiers, after seeing the earthquake, after seeing the, the, hearing the words that he spoke, after seeing the, the world go dark, they said, truly, this is the son of God. But the disciples, Peter, had denied the Lord. The third time he denied him, he was around a, a hot, cold fire, and he was warming himself. And while he was at the fire, a young girl came up. He'd already denied the Lord twice and said, you're one of them. And he cussed and said, I don't know him. We know from the word of God that Jesus was being led out after being scourged, and the eyes of Jesus met the eyes of Peter, and he went away and wept bitterly. He's up in the upper room. The, all the apostles are in the upper room. The women who were last at the, at the cross, praise God for Mary and, and Mary Magdalene, right? They're there at the cross with the apostle John. Well, they were in tears. They believed their savior was dead. The apostles were afraid. They were hiding. We'll find out Thomas was doubting. And guys, it was Friday, but Sunday's come, Amen. So grab your outline and we'll go through this quickly and then we'll get into how things all changed as soon as Sunday came. So I tell the message, Jesus is risen just as he said. Jesus is risen just as he said. There's four points to the text. We're going to talk about death is, death is the beginning, not the end. Can I get an amen to that? Death has no sting for believers. Most of you know my mom went to heaven two weeks ago yesterday. Heaven is better. Amen. I miss her every day. We know that sweet Mocha went to heaven. We love, we love her. They're both in heaven. Heaven's better. They're doing better than us. Can I get an amen to that? We as believers have the promise of eternal life. We don't have to fear death because we know we close our eyes on earth and we open them up in glory. Well, death is the beginning, not the end. We'll see the impact of the resurrection. First on Mary Magdalene. She's going to go from tears to joy. She's going to go to embalm a dead, her dead, in her mind, her dead teacher, and she's going to find out that he has risen from the dead, and she's going to go from tears to joy. Then we're going to see the disciples go from fear to courage. They're hiding, no doubt thinking, well, they killed the one we've been following, they'll probably kill us next. They crucified our Messiah, our Savior, our teacher, and we're probably next on the list, so they're in hiding. We're going to see them go from fear to courage. Then we're going to see Thomas go from doubt to faith. He's doubting it. He doesn't believe it. you got to have to show me. You know, the Bible says, blessed, you know, blessed are those who faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen? And it's blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And then finally, we're going to see all who believe in his name go from death into life. And let me just say this. You know, I love you. Even if you've never met me before, I want to tell you I love you. I'm glad you're here. But here's the deal. You're all a bunch of stinking vile sinners just like me. Can I get an amen to that? And because we're sinners, 
We've been separated from Almighty God. Now, if you've been born again, your sin's been washed away. And you've gone from death into life. The Bible says before we knew the Lord, we were spiritually dead. Nicodemus, the most religious man of the day, came to Jesus by night. First episode of Nick at Night. He comes to Jesus by night. And what does he say to him? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you must be born again. See, because we were born physically, and we need to be born again spiritually. And I want to encourage you, if you're here today, you've all been born physically. If you haven't figured that out, can I get an amen? But we all need to be born again spiritually. And sadly, there's people here and people in our, all over the world today that are, are in tears. Can I get an amen to that? There's people here that are, are living in fear. Can I get an amen to that? There are people here that walk and live a life filled with doubt. And there are people that are walking around spiritually dead. Here's the good news. By the end of this chapter today, we're going to see how your tears can become joy, how your fear can become courage, how your doubt can become faith, and how you can move from death into life. Amen? So let's begin there in verse 1 of John chapter 20. So Jesus has been crucified. It's Friday. It was Friday, but Sunday has come. And now, as they're Sunday morning arises, the Sabbath is over. They hurried up to get Jesus into the ground so he wouldn't defile the Sabbath. And it says in verse one, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So the first day of the week, what day of the week is that? That's Sunday. And this is why most Christians gather together on Sunday, but we can gather together every day. Can I get an amen to that? But we gather on Sunday because there was two amazing events on Sunday. Jesus rose from the dead and the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost. And both of those things happened on Sunday. And so Sunday was a primary day when they would gather together. So here's Mary Magdalene. If you don't know anything about her, the Bible tells us that he that's been forgiven much or he that she that's been forgiven much loves much. And we know that Mary was demon possessed. Some even believe she may have been a prostitute. Her life was a disaster. And then she met Jesus. And when she met Jesus, everything about her life changed. And Mary Magdalene was the last one at the cross and the first one at the tomb. Now she comes to the tomb and we can thank God for that because she didn't give up on the Savior, didn't forget about him. But at the same time, while she had a deep love for the Lord and while others were hiding, she boldly went to the tomb. We also know that she comes to anoint a dead man. We'll see that in a moment. It says in Proverbs, I love those that love me, and they that seek me early will find me. I want to encourage you, begin your day with Jesus. Can I get an amen? Mary woke up, and the first thing she wanted to do was go see Jesus. First thing she wanted to do was get down to the tomb early, because during the Shabbat, she couldn't do it. During the Sabbath, she couldn't. So as soon as the sun came up, she wanted to be there to properly care for our Savior. And again, if you begin your day with the Lord, your day is going to go a whole lot better. Can I get an amen to that? We need to meet him and greet him early in the morning. So she's the first one seeking him. And she was, we know from the other gospel, she was worried who was going to take the stone away. And when she gets there, she's going to see that the stone has been taken away. By the way, the stone was taken away, not so that Jesus could get out. Can I get an amen? Jesus could get out without moving the stone. Amen. The stone was rolled away so that the people could see in. Amen? He is in control. Verse 2. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John who wrote this gospel, and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. 
So along with her love for the Lord, she still doesn't understand. Jesus had told them repeatedly, I will be crucified, and on the third day, I will raise from the dead. And they, he told them over and over and over again. And the Pharisees heard it, and they believed enough that maybe his body would be stolen. So they put guards there. They got the Romans to put guards. But his own people, nobody showed up. Look, if they had been listening to the word, they would have been at the tomb uh, Sunday morning early with some you know, beach chairs and some popcorn ready to watch what's going to happen. Got to get an amen. And they would be fired up and excited to see this miracle, but none of them came. You know why they didn't come? They did not heed the word of God. And let me tell you right now, this is true for all of us. When our life is not going in the direction that, we, that it should be, when, when our life is a mess, and I'm not talking about consequences for standing up for the things of God. I'm talking about when our life is a mess. You know why? Because we don't heed God's word either. Amen? They knew what the word of God said, but they didn't take it into their lives and they were not living it out. And because of that, they missed Jesus. They missed him. So the word comes. In Luke 24, Mary, we know that Mary brought spices and came to anoint a dead man, not to see a risen savior. And the they there refers to two angels who had appeared. It says in Luke, why do you seek the living among the dead? When Mary showed up, these two angels were there. And they say to her, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you saying, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day, rise again. See, she was coming to embalm a dead man. And a lot of people still see Jesus as a dead man. No one would curse his name if they knew he was alive. Can I get an amen to that? You know, they use Jesus's name more as a curse word than they do as, you know, an act of worship. I think I said this last Sunday, but I loved it. Tim Tebow, have you seen that? He swings his golf club, and when he hits it, hits it really good, and the guy behind him says, Jesus. And then Tebow says, loves you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stealing that. I'm using that. Next time you hear someone take Jesus' name in vain, just put a loves you after that. It's an opportunity for the gospel, amen? So Peter... It's up in the upper room, or he's there, and they're, they're hiding, and Peter's weeping because he said, I will not deny my Savior. And then the word comes to him that Jesus' body isn't there. And Peter, through his tears, jumps up, he and John, and they run to the tomb. It's amazing that the other disciples didn't even leave the room. They're still walking in fear. Peter and John run, and they run to the tomb to see what has become of the Savior. Look at verse 3. It says, Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. This is the only, only gospel this is in. The other disciple is John who wrote this gospel. For some reason, he wanted us to know he was faster than Peter, because it's, <laughs> it's in the Bible. <laughs> so Peter's weeping and broken. Could it be true? He ran to see his Savior. If you're here this morning and maybe you've broken fellowship with God, maybe you're not walking with the Lord the way you used to, or maybe you've never really given your life to him. Maybe you grew up in the church, you've heard about Jesus, but you've never surrendered your life to him. Here's the good news, especially if you've, if you've fallen away from the Lord. You can take a million steps away from God. It's only one step back. He desires to have intimate fellowship with you. Amen. He needs to be the priority and the passion of your life. And if you're broken fellowship, if you've denied your Savior, his arms are still open to you. 
And we know from the other gospels when Mary is told, it says, go tell the disciples and especially Peter that I have risen. Can you imagine? When she ran, she tells him, Jesus is risen. We'll see this in a little bit here. And hey, Peter, he said, especially to tell you. See, Peter thought that what he had done is he had put him in a position that the Lord could never forgive him. I want to encourage you that in John chapter 3, we see Nicodemus that proves that you can't be so religious that you don't need to be saved. Religion won't save you. Can I get an amen? But we see the woman at the well. You can't be so ungodly that you're beyond salvation. Can I get an amen to that? So no one's no, so good they don't need to be saved. If someone's, no one's so bad that they can't be saved. Amen? And so no matter where your life is, I want you to know that Jesus would say to you today, go tell Calvary Chapel and especially put your name in there that I have risen. Can I get an amen? Because he loves you and he wants to be, have an intimate fellowship with you. It says here, he's stooping down. This is John looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. So it says, saw, it's uh, to look carefully, to observe. Peter boldly went into the tomb. He drew close, uh, carefully examining the linen cloths. No doubt wondering, where is my savior? Where has he gone? Jesus no longer in his bandages, and from their appearance, it's evident that they were not unraveled from the outside, but passed through from the inside. You know, they wouldn't be laying there perfectly if he had unrolled them and gotten out that way. So he literally had passed through them. Now, I love this picture here. And again, the stone had been rolled away so they could see in. But I love this picture here because we know that this is Passover time, and they're, sl- they're slaying lambs. And the blood of the lambs is flowing through the brook Kidron. And when they ran to the tomb, they had to cross over the brook. When Jesus was taken to be crucified, he had to cross over the brook. When he was arrested, he had to cross over the brook Kidron that was flowing with the blood of lambs. Here he is, the Lamb of God, walking over the blood of lambs. Amen? But what's amazing about this is Passover is a remembrance of their deliverance out of bondage in Egypt. And what did they do? They took the blood of the lamb... They, they watched it for four days to make sure that it was pure and wasn't sick or didn't have any blemishes. And then they would slay the blood of the lamb and they would take the, slay the lamb and then they had to take its blood and apply it to their doorpost, both sides on the top and at the foot. And if they did that, the angel of death passed over. Well, that's the blood of the lamb in the shape of a cross hundreds of years before crucifixion existed and it all pointed to Jesus. Is there any question or is there any doubt why Jesus died on Passover and why he raised from the dead at Passover? Can I get an amen to that? But what's amazing to me is when they look into the tomb, when you look, put all the gospels together, they see an angel at the foot and an angel at, the, at his head. And we know that on the day of atonement, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, that now that veil was torn when Jesus was on the cross, but they would enter into the holy place and they would take the blood of a lamb and they would sprinkle it on the mercy seat. And what's significant about that is inside the ark, again, a box, not a boat. When you looked inside the ark, what did you see? There was the the Ten Commandments. Jesus is the word of God. There was a jar of manna. He's the bread of life. And there was Aaron's rod because he's the great high priest. But then the mercy seat covered it because the law shows us we're sinners, but it can't save us. Keeping the Ten Commandments couldn't save you. And if it could, you would fail anyway, because we all fail the Ten Commandments. Can I get an amen to that? 
So we're all sinners in need of a savior. The mercy covers it. We have angels at each end and blood in the middle. And so when they walked into the tomb, when Jesus had risen, there were angels at each end and blood in the middle because the Ark of the Covenant was always pointing to the resurrection of our savior and the Bible rocks. Can I get an amen? Amen. Everything in the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment. And that's why it's such a blessing that the veil's been torn because now it's not just the high priest on the day of atonement that can enter in. You and I can enter into his presence anywhere and any time. Look at verse eight. And the other disciple came to the tomb first, went in also, that's John, he saw and believe. The word saw is to perceive and understand. He believed based on the physical evidence that his body had been taken away. He believed that his body was gone. But notice what it says there in verse 9. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. And the disciples went away again to their own homes. I don't get this. I'm sorry. So Jesus' body is gone, and they go back home. And they go back home because they're afraid. They go back home because they don't know what to believe. They go back home because they did not hear what Jesus had taught them. It says, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, it says in Psalm 16, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Again, this, they struggle. They did not know his word. It says in Luke 24, the Son of Man must be delivered up to the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day, raised again. Jesus told them that already. But when it happens, they still don't believe. The angels had reminded them of Jesus' words through Mary. Later, Peter led 3,000 people to Christ in one day. But you know what? What's amazing about that is he's going to go from being a man of of great fear to a man of great courage. But right now, they're in a place where they don't know what's happened. They don't know what to believe, even though they've had, had walked with Jesus for three years. Maybe you're here today, and you've been around the Word of God. You've been around Christians a lot, and you've heard what people say, but you don't know what to believe for yourself. You're still living in a place of doubt. You're not so sure that this man rose from the dead. That's exactly where Peter and the apostles are at this point. They, they know what, oh, maybe he said, did he say, what did he say? But how do we know? Is he risen? What's happened? Well, good news is the story doesn't end there. By the way, if this was your biography, we wouldn't have a chapter 20. Can I get an amen? We die, that's it. Game over. Amen? There's a chapter 20 because Jesus died and it wasn't done. Though they had seen and believed, the level of their faith was still lacking. Now watch what happens here in verse 11. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and she wept and stooped down and looked into the tomb. So the two apostles come and they look, Peter and John, they see that he's not there, they believe and recognize that he's not there, and they go home. Mary stays, and she continues, she's weeping. She's in a place of tears. And she saw two angels in white, one sitting at the head, the other sitting at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. So she still thinks he's a dead man. By the way, if you're here and you think Jesus is a dead man, let me clue you in. He's not dead. I've been to the tomb. It's empty. Can I get an amen? He is a risen living savior who has triumphed over sin and death. They had taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Mary, others had gone home, but Mary's devotion led her to stay. Now, while Mary is still struggling, praise God that Mary stayed. Can I get an amen? Mary didn't go home. Mary didn't understand, but Mary was crying. Oh, Lord, I don't understand. Can you help me out here? She thinks that he's dead, but she, so she's wrong, but at least she stayed. 
And at least she tried to figure out. And there's the two angels at the head and the foot. Again, the picture of the ark. And what's interesting, Mary is still looking for the dead body of Jesus, and she's not blown away by these angels. Do you notice that? <laughs> angels start talking, and she's like, I'm looking for Jesus. <laughs> she, read, she, she knew about Hebrews before it was written, because we saw in Hebrews that Jesus is better than the angels. Can I get an amen? She didn't go out and write a book, I saw angels. Can I get an amen to that? We got people today that, that are, are elevating. Angels are messengers used mightily by God and praise God for them. But the Bible tells us when we get to heaven, we will be greater than the angels. Did you know that? And we don't worship angels and we don't worship dead saints. We worship a risen and a living savior. Amen. So she didn't get all fired up about the angels because she was not looking for angels. She was looking for Jesus. Now, verse 14. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. What made her turn around? I don't know. Some have surmised that maybe when Jesus appeared, the angels fell on their knees before him. That's certainly possible. It may have been that when they saw the Lord, their reaction caused her to turn around because the angels themselves are servants of our Savior. Amen? And they know Jesus very well because they live with him. Can I get an amen in heaven? And so they knew the Savior, but they didn't know. So, so for whatever reason, she turns around. Why didn't she recognize him? Was it just early in the day where her eyes filled with tears? Was she still looking for a dead man so she didn't think it could possibly be him? We don't know why. But then he says to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she's supposing him to be the gardener. <laughs> really? <laughs> He delivered you from demons. He's not the gardener. Can I get an amen? But she's supposing him to be the gardener. Said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Now, I love this. She has such a love for the Lord, but she still thinks he's a dead man. But she's also got enough faith to think she can carry a dead man away by herself. <laughs> Been training with bread or something, right? But she thinks she can go carry him away. But I love that while she doesn't fully grasp that Jesus is risen, she's still there seeking him. Can I get an amen to that? And a lot of times, you know, some of you may be in that place where you don't understand fully that he has risen, but I'm glad that you're here. And I pray that you're still looking for him because I pray that he'll open your eyes this morning. Can I get an amen? May we never allow the physical struggles and difficulties of life to so cloud our vision that we cannot see Jesus in the midst of them. See, she's so flooded with tears, she doesn't recognize the Lord. And sometimes when we go through difficulty, we're so flooded with tears and difficulty that we can't see that Jesus is in the midst of it. I want you to know that no suffering is wasted. Can I get an amen to that? And whatever trials we go through, God will use them for his kingdom and for his glory. And he'll use it to mold us more into the image of our Savior. It says in James, the all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials, for trials produce patience and the perfecting of our faith. See, it's the difficulties of life that help us grow. And sometimes in our tears, we take our eyes off of Jesus. And we don't recognize him in the middle of it. We need to know that God is in control and all things do work together for good. To them that love God, for them are called according to his purpose. We should be looking for Jesus in the midst of our circumstances. Amen? Always be looking for the Lord. Is God in control in the midst of COVID? What's the answer? Yes. He is. Is God faithful no matter who's in the White House? What's the answer? Is God faithful when you're sick? 
Is God faithful when there's no money in the bank account? Is God faithful when you have children walking in rebellion? What's the answer? God is still faithful. God is still in control. He still hears our prayers. And I've read the end of the book, and in the end, God wins. Yay, God. Can I get an amen to that? He wins. We're on, we're on the winning team. So he says, whom are you seeking? Same question Jesus asked the mob that came to arrest him in Gethsemane. I would say to you this morning, who are you seeking? A source of conviction to eliminate or risen living savior to love and serve and honor. Who are you seeking? When you hear Jesus' name, do you just think of someone who brings conviction on your life because you're a sinner just like me? Or you, when you hear his name, are you seeking one, the risen and living Savior who's triumphed over sin and death? She says, I will take him away. Again, faithlessly, ignorantly supposing him to be dead, but faithfully willing to carry his body all by herself. Verse 16, I love this. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned around and said to him, Rabboni, which is translated teacher. I believe this is biblically theological. I believe Jesus calls us all by name. And when he calls us, we have a chance to turn and, re and respond to him. The fact you're here this, this morning, God may be calling you by name. If you've never given your life to Jesus, may today be the day of salvation. He calls her by name, and as soon as she hears him speak her name, her eyes are open to who he is and she cries out, Rabboni. She didn't recognize him physically, but she immediately recognized him when he said her name. In John 20, 10, 27, it says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. The same voice that had cast seven demons out of her body, who delivered her from bondage to, to what was going to destroy her, instantly turned her weeping into joy. See, she's been weeping because she thinks that Jesus is dead. She's been in a place of, of no hope, because she thinks her Savior is dead. She doesn't even understand what's next in her life because she thinks Jesus is dead. And as soon as she knows he's alive, as soon as he calls her by name, her tears turn to joy. Can I get an amen to that? Guys, when you remember who's in control, when you remember that he loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you, that he was willing to suffer as if he lived your life so you could be rewarded as if you lived his, it will bring your tears to joy no matter what you're going through in life. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I've not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. He said, don't cling to me because she was clinging to him. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> if Jesus showed up, I'd be first in line to cling to him. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I don't know how it works in heaven, but get in line behind me. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> right? I don't want to be selfish anywhere else, but I'm thinking, you know, if you guys seen that picture, I don't know how accurate it is. There's a picture that says your first 15 seconds in heaven, and it shows a woman embracing Jesus. It just brings tears to your eyes. You know, I, you know, my mom went to heaven, and I knew that she closed her eyes on earth, and she opened them up seeing our Savior. Guys, heaven is so much better, and it's better because Jesus is there. Can I get an Amen. And soon as she sees the Lord, she just wants to, she don't want to ever let him go. And the Lord tells her, okay, look, you've seen me. You know I'm alive. Now go tell other people about me. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Can I get an amen to that? We've met Jesus. We know he is alive. We don't keep it to ourselves. We don't just cling to him and lay next to us. We go and tell others about him. We were called to introduce other people to Jesus. Amen. This once demon-possessed woman now becomes the apostle to the apostles. Amen. 
She's now going to be the messenger to them. Mary came in desperation early in the morning seeking her Savior, and Jesus responds to her desperation for him by calling her by name, and immediately she became a witness to the apostles. Mary's weeping had turned to joy. Jesus had risen just as he said. The impact on Mary, again, is from tears to joy, from tearful and, and being tearful and desperate to being joyful. So point number one there, Mary Magdalene from tears to joy. Point number two, the, the disciples, the apostles, from fear to courage. Look at verse 18 and 19. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, that he had spoken these things to her. Then the same day at evening, being in the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. And this blows me away that she comes and says, he's risen. And they all stay right where they are. These are the apostles. Can I get an amen? These are not the B apostles or the C apostles. These are the apostles. And they don't even leave because they're more afraid of the Jews than they are encouraged by the Savior. And guys, we as Christians, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And we must never fear the world more than we have faith in Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? And we live right now where people are so afraid of everything and people are just scared half to death. And fear is what the enemy brings. Fear, anxiety, and worry are all the opposite of faith. We don't live by fear. We don't live by anxiety. We shouldn't walk in worry. We walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and God's in control. And the worst thing the world can do to me is the best thing that could happen to me because you can't threaten me with heaven. Can I get an amen to that? And so here's the reality. They're still afraid. You know why? No Holy Spirit yet. See, the same Peter who denies Jesus to a little girl, that same Peter, not many days later, is going to get up in front of a huge crowd. Some of the very people he was afraid of, he's going to preach the gospel, and 3,000 people are going to get saved in a single day. You know the difference? Peter without the Holy Spirit and Peter with the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? Without him, we can do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So they're still hiding Maybe as a Christian, you're hiding. Time to get out of the upper room and start telling people about Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? People come out of the closet for everything else. Get out of the closet for Jesus. Can I get an amen? It's time to step up. Amen? They're afraid. Peace be with you. Moments earlier in fear for their lives may have thought, as Christ's followers, that punishment was coming if they left the room. No matter what your circumstances, it may be when Jesus came into their presence again, then they would have peace. One of my favorite books of the Bible, they're teaching it right now in the men's and women's study, is the book of Daniel. And when I was a youth pastor for, for 15 years, I taught high schoolers on purpose. I did. I, loved, I, I still love teenagers. It's such an important point of their life. But Daniel, as a teenager, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He was probably 13 or 14 years old. We don't know Daniel in the lion's den if we don't know have a teenager that purposes in his heart not to defile himself. So it's a great text for teenagers and for us. Can I get an amen? But you remember they outlawed prayer because they couldn't catch Daniel doing anything else. Daniel, we know Daniel is a sinner because we all are, but you know there's Six chapters about his life and six chapters of prophecy and not one recorded sin in the life of Daniel. So he was a godly man, amen? Now he's a sinner just like the rest of us. But here's what's amazing. They outlawed prayer. He kept praying anyway. They threw him in the lion's den. 
they had fooled King Darius into to signing an edict that if anybody prayed to anybody but him, they'd be throwing the lion's den. And he didn't go hide in a cave and pray. He threw the windows open and prayed like he always did. And they threw in the lion's den. Now, what's interesting, while Daniel was in the lion's den, Darius the king was in the palace. And the king in the palace was up all night. He was tormented. He couldn't sleep. And Daniel was in the lion's den doing what? Sleeping in the midst of the lions. You know why? Because it's better to be in the lion's den with Jesus than in the palace without him. Can I get an amen to that? Here's the whole point is that it's better to be outside amongst the world, be in a difficult situation with the Lord than to be hiding without him. Amen? It's better to be with the Lord always. He said, peace be with you. There's a, some videos I would love to see. This is one of them right here. Can you imagine they're all in there hiding and Jesus just shows up, goes right through the door. They don't have to open it. And he just says, peace be with you. Uh, did they all jump up? Did they all fall out? I don't know. But look what it says in verse 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples were glad. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Underestimate in the whole Bible right there. Amen. They're scared to death that the one they've been walking with for three years died. They're trying to figure out it doesn't make sense to them because they weren't listening to the word when he said he would raise it from the dead on the third day. They're struggling. They don't get it. And all of a sudden, they've been told that he's alive, but they still struggle with it. Peter and John have gone to the tomb. He's not there, but they're still in hiding. And then Jesus walks in the, comes into the room and says, peace be with you. Boy, were they glad. They're rejoicing. Everything started to make sense. The word glad there is hilarious. That his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord got to be one of the most incredible, again, understatements, understatements in human history. And again, they were assembled in hiding. They were filled with fear and anxiety and worry. The world from their perspective had been turned upside down. If he's the Messiah, how did he die? What are we going to do now? How long will it be before it's safe for us to go out? Why didn't I stand up for him? Maybe even doubt that he was the Messiah at all. And then Jesus walks in the room and all those doubts are gone. Amen? And all that fear is gone because Jesus is exactly who he says he is. The room filled with fear and tears and doubt, quickly filled with joy, wonder, and hilarious gladness. Verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the Father has sent you, sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed in them and they received what? Holy Spirit. Now, he breathes the Holy Spirit in them here, but then later he's going to tell them to go and wait for the Holy Spirit shall come upon them. Because the Spirit is with us before salvation, people call him their conscience. When you get saved, he comes to live inside of you. But the Bible talks about the subsequent baptism or indwelling or infilling of the Holy Spirit. I've told you this, as my dad used to say, call it what you want, just get it. Can I get an amen? But they did not have the Holy Spirit until then. And now he breathes the spirit in them and everything's going to change. Guys, here's the good news for us. The moment we give our life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Can I get amen? And he will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? And he walks with you. He convicts you when you sin and he comforts you in difficulty. And he, he allows you to use spiritual gifts and he uses you to be someone who represents Jesus to a lost and a dying world. Jesus' first words to them he didn't say, hey, hey, Pete, how'd that not deny me thing work out? Did he do that? No. Go tell the disciples, especially Peter. 
Did he say, hey, I was at the cross. Hey, John, thanks for being there. Hope you're taking care of my mom. Uh, where were the rest of you? Did he do that? Could have. Amen. Why are you hiding? The tomb's empty. Didn't you listen to what I taught you? He doesn't do that. He says, peace be with you. He's a gracious God, isn't he? Amen. The enemy will get you thinking that you can't approach the Lord because you have failed him. Well, if that were true, none of us could approach the Lord because we've all failed him. Can I get an amen to that? But while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, all of that fear and all that doubt and all the sinful behavior was taken care of on the cross. He said, it's finished. He said, paid in full to Talestai. See, when the father sees you, if you're born again, he sees you through the shed blood of his son and he sees you holy and perfect. We're saints. Amen. What's a saint? One who's a sanctified one. One who's set apart unto the Lord. You're either a saint or an ain't. Can I get an amen? You've either been born again or you haven't. You either know God or you don't. Amen. And they're saints. And their fear should all be wiped away now because the Lord is with them. And he breathes the Holy Spirit in them. And the Lord breathed, the word is ruah, into Adam for physical life. He breathed physical life into Adam, and now he's, bringing, he's breathing spiritual life into the disciples. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would be upon people for a certain amount of time, but he didn't dwell inside them the way he dwells inside of us. Even King David said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me, right? So here's what happens is that, that he would fill them with the Spirit for a time and a task. But now as believers, we have the Holy Spirit always. We're the most blessed people who've ever lived on this planet. Can I get an amen? Because we have the Holy Spirit. We have the completed revelation. We've got the book in our hands. We've got freedom to, to read it, to teach it, to open it. And guys, may we not waste the blessings that we have been given by God. Can I get an amen to that? May we use it for his kingdom and for his glory. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon them later in Acts chapter 2, but now he's breathed the Spirit. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, this has been misappropriated in so many bad ways. Disciples did not have the ability themselves to forgive sin. Only the Lord can do that. Did any disciples die on the cross? Any of them raised from the dead? Actually, they were in hiding when Jesus was on the cross. Can I get an amen? They were cursing and saying they didn't know him. But you can't proclaim forgiveness based on, I leave, I, by the grace of God, I've been able to share with people and lead them to the Lord. Many of you have. But when you, and we're going to do that at the end of this today. If you're not giving life to the Lord, be praying. Maybe it's time, it's time for you. Amen? But you can say to somebody, if you truly have repented, if you truly meant that in your heart and you've surrendered your life to the Lord, you're forgiven. Holy Spirit's come to live inside of you and you have the promise of eternal life. Can I get an amen to that? Now, we can proclaim that that's the truth. With repentance comes forgiveness. With repentance comes salvation. With, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. We save no one. Jesus saves everyone who will come to him. Can I get an amen to that? So the fact that we can tell people, yes, in light of what the scripture says, you're forgiven, doesn't mean we forgive them. Only God can. Does that make sense? That's why we don't need to get in a box and tell a guy our sin so he can forgive us because he can't forgive me. Can I get an amen to that? And we don't need to pray with vain repetition so God will forgive us because the Bible tells us not to pray with vain repetition. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Don't add to the cross. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. It says there in verse 23, again, they, again, the disciples did not have the ability in themselves to forgive. Forgiveness of sin, again, is an act of repentance. It's response to repentance, remaining in sin, lack of repentance. 
Now, so we see there from fear to courage. We're going to see these same guys. Now they're going to go out in the book of Acts. They're going to preach the word of God with boldness. And, and look, part of my testimony, most, of you, most some of you know it. I, I haven't shared it a lot. But I'm a PK. I'm a preacher's kid. My dad was a pastor for 60 years. He's in heaven. My mom and dad were two of the most godly people I've ever met, and I am so thankful for both of them, and I know I'm going to see them again, and heaven is better. Amen? When I was a young man, though, people would always ask me, are you going to be a pastor like your dad? And I'd always say, no, I love Jesus. They called me preacher boy when I played football in college. I was always sharing my faith. When we'd come down the tunnel, they'd have me pray. You know, you pray before you go on the field. But I, when they asked me if I was going to be a pastor, I'd always say no. I'd say, look, I love the Lord. I'll serve at the church, but I'm not called to be a pastor like my dad. That's the expectation a lot of times when you're a PK, a preacher's kid. So I went out, and by the grace of God, I got a sales job. I got my dream job. I broke all the sales records. I was a super driven guy. I was making more money than anybody I knew. And they had me get up in front of 2,000 people in Anaheim Convention Center and talk about why I'm so successful. They gave me this crystal trophy. I'm driving home. I'm I'm, I'm 25 years old. I'm driving home. I pull off the side of the road, and I start weeping. I have a beautiful wife, a beautiful baby girl, a, a beautiful home. And I'm like, okay, God, you want more for my life than this? And I sat in this in Acton at this park and ride for like an hour, and my sunroof was open. And I just said, Lord, whatever you want for my life, I'm in. Lord, whatever the question is, the answer is yes. And I believe that for my life, that was the first time I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Because I had him in me already, but now I had him on me. And my wife told me, the day you got home, you were a different guy from that day forward. And the following Sunday, the pastor got up and said, if anybody's here and you feel like God wants to do more with your life, he was listening. And he said, I'm starting a discipleship class. And I went to the class, and four weeks later, he asked me to be the youth pastor, and I've been in the ministry ever since. See, guys, uh, we shouldn't be satisfied with Jesus being our Savior. He needs to be our Lord. Can I get an amen to that? And we shouldn't be satisfied with living a lukewarm walk. You know, I love Jesus. My wife and I were serving in children's ministry. I went to all the work days. I was on the setup team. I was a part of the church. But God, in my case, had more for my life. And I'm thankful that, you know, sometimes we have to come to the end of ourselves, and sometimes we get everything we think we want, and your flesh will never be satisfied. Can I get an amen to that? So there's not enough that's going to make you have the peace that you think you're looking for. That peace only comes from the Prince of Peace. Amen? And so they go from fear to courage, and now we're going to see these guys being used mildly by God, because now they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Point number four, from doubt to faith. Now Thomas, called the twin one of the 12, who was not with them when Jesus came. By the way, so this is what happens when you're not fellowshipping. Can I get an amen? (laughs) When you're out of fellowship, Jesus shows up and you're not there. Can I get an amen? He wasn't with the guys. I don't know where he was. Thomas was one of the 12. He missed the meeting. And again, don't forsake to gather yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches. Can I get an amen to that? The Lord showed, I love, my dad said this to me years ago. He said, son, God meets us everywhere, but there's something special in the way God meets us when we gather together with God's people. Can I get an amen to that? There's something special about we all come together. We're all using our gifts. We're all ministering to each other. We don't want to miss that. So it says there, he was, it said, the other disciples therefore said to him, we've seen the Lord. He said, unless I see the hands, the hand, uh, the, his hands, the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. You ever met anybody like that? <laughs> Jesus loves you, bro. He died on the cross. I don't buy it. If Jesus is real, have him just show up right here, right now. If Jesus is real, this is called faithless, being faithless. Amen? It's not 
Seeing and then believing, it's believing and then seeing. Amen? But I want you to notice when Thomas is doubting, Jesus is listening. Can I get an amen to that? Because I can, well, if he comes and does it, now watch, look what it says. And after, his, after eight days, eight days later, they were inside again, Thomas with them. So you see, he showed up to church this time, okay? So he's there. He said, he's with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. See, the Lord even heard his doubts and he still ministered to him. Can I get an amen? When we doubt him, we cry out to him. And I don't believe it. Lord, help me. Show me. And the Lord shows up and he takes away all of Thomas's doubts. And Jesus, or then Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Who's he talking about? Talking about us. How blessed are those who have seen him and believe, but how, oh, how much more blessed are those who have not seen him and yet believe. Let me just say this. I have not seen Jesus physically, but I know him better than I know my wife. I know him better than I know any of you. He is my best friend. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. He walks with me all day long. He speaks to me through the Holy Spirit. And I have intimate fellowship with the creator of the universe. I don't know about Jesus. I know Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? And that's the whole point. If you just know about him, that's not enough. Do you know him? Have you been adopted into his family? Are you born again? Jesus had compassion for the unbelief of Thomas. And when Thomas saw him, Thomas believed. So we've seen tears to joy in Mary Magdalene, fear to courage in the disciples, doubt to faith in Thomas, and now finally death to life in all who will believe. And Jesus, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Isn't that amazing? The Bible, 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents and three languages over 1,500 years, a one essential theme, and no contradictions. That's possible because, because God wrote it. But you know what's amazing? This is only a tip of the iceberg of all the things God did, all things Jesus did. Amen? But notice what it says. But it was written, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son, and the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. There it is. Let me read that again. These are written. The word of God is written. All the things Jesus did on, you know, the things that are written in the Bible are written for this reason. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. See, it's not a 12-step program to come to Jesus. It's a one-step program. Can I get an amen? There aren't 500 classes you need to go to. You don't have to have your first Holy Communion. You don't have to be baptized as a baby. You don't have to have your last rites. My mom died. They kept trying to give her last rites. I'm like, get out of here. She doesn't need them. She's in heaven. Go away. Can I get an amen? Stop it. I'll feel better. I won't. Get out of here. She doesn't need it. Can I get an amen to that? Jesus bless nothing. equals salvation. Here it is. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. You'll be saved. So if you're not, if you haven't given your life to the Lord, when you stand before God on judgment day, it's not going to be because you didn't have an opportunity to be saved. It's because when you had the opportunity, you rejected him. The Bible says, let today be the day of salvation. None of us has the promise of tomorrow. This may be the last opportunity you have to give your life to the Lord if you haven't done it before. Guys, here's the good news. You can pass from death into life right now. And you know what? When you pass into death, from death into life, your tears do turn to joy. Can I get an amen to that? 
Your fear does go, become courage. Your doubt does become faith. And guys, we don't believe in spite of the evidence. That would be foolish. That would be superstition. Can I get amen to that? We don't have blind faith. Do you know there's over 600 Old Testament prophecies all fulfilled in the New Testament? And you know what? You, you, you fulfilled none in your life. Can I get an amen? He fulfills them all. Born in Bethlehem. Born of a virgin. We, we live in Nazareth. I mean, just go down the list. We can go down the list. He fulfilled them all. Why? Because he's God. How many, how many prophecies Muhammad filled? That'd be zero. How many other false gods in the world? Zero. By the way, science, does it point to Jesus or what? People always give you that. Well, I'm on the side of science. No, you're not. Because if you're on the side of science, you'd be a Christian. Can I get an amen? Our Savior's omniscience. Science means knowledge. He's all-knowing. Can I get an amen to that? Look at the star. We get excited when we get a satellite up there. We're, ooh, we got a satellite. Look at us. Wow, we're amazing. He went light. Boom, there's stars in the sky. Can I get an amen? He said light is and light was. Look at the human anatomy. Can I get an amen to that? Does it blow your mind when you look at the human ear? When you look at the creation, it should make it very clear that there's a creator. Can I get an amen to that? None of this happened by random chance. Can I get, did not go from the goo to the zoo to you. That didn't happen. Amen? We we're all created in the image of God. And if you, if you reject G, if you, you say, I'm on the side of science. What science is that? Evolution? That's the lie of the devil. Can I get an amen to that? It's nonsense. Second law, you know, second law of thermodynamics, the law of entropy, all wipe out evolution. The law of biogenesis. You can't have living matter come from non-living matter. Something exploded that wasn't there, that they don't know how it got there, and it became you. Stop it already. And you know why they believe it? Because they don't want to have to believe in a creator. See, if I believe in creation, then I have to believe in a creator. I want to encourage you, don't let the, the world lie to you. All this stuff that's being propagated on our kids and, and is all in the world around us is trying to get our eyes off of Jesus and recognize him for who he is. Best-selling book of all times right here. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. Only book that's living and breathing. Only book that not only do you read it, but it reads you and transforms your life. Can I get an amen to that? This is the only book that will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Can I get an amen to that? So we need to be in the word every day and this will transform your life. Guys, we don't believe in spite of the evidence. That would be foolish. Amen? We can stand toe to toe with anybody talking about anything because we have the truth because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and no man can come to the Father but by him. Can I get an amen to that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. We worship you. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. We thank you that you are indeed a risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would not leave here without you. If you're here this morning and you've maybe gone to church a lot, but you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, You've never fully surrendered to him. The word repent just means to change your mind, to turn around. You were headed in this direction, and now it's time for you to surrender your life to the Lord. God has no grandchildren. You're not going to heaven because your parents are saved. At some point, you must make a profession of faith. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. It's your chance to confess him right now. And here's what I'm going to do, real simple. That's your desire to confess him before men right now and just pray a simple prayer and say, Lord, I'm ready to surrender my life to you. If that's your desire, I just want you to raise your hand right where you are and I want to pray with you. Anybody at all. Today's the day of salvation. Don't leave here without him. Don't let the enemy keep you from confessing him. He loves you again so much. He's a faithful God, a gracious God, and a merciful God. Lord, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you that your word does not return void.
And we thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate because you are indeed a risen and living Savior. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said,